0: looking at our world from a theological perspective. This is the Theology Central podcast, making theology central. Welcome everyone. It is Monday, December the 6th, 2021. It is currently 5:37 p.m. Central Time. You know where I'm at. I'm here in the empty sanctuary, Victory Baptist Church. I'm in the middle of no, nowhere, Texas. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas. I was going to say I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ovalo, Texas. But Ovalo, nowhere, I mean, it's the same thing. Saying I'm in Ovalo, Texas means I'm in the middle of nowhere. Saying I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas pretty much indicates I'm in Ovalo, <laughs> okay? so So I'm in the middle of nowhere. But none of that really matters right now because I've been sitting here for a few minutes— listening to this oh wait let me let me let me uh, refresh it here we go are you ready here we go shiloh one more time let me, let me hear that one more time shiloh shiloh wait wait no 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 it, it cannot be shiloh it cannot be shiloh it cannot be shiloh It cannot. It has to be Shiloh. It has to be something. It can't be Shiloh. It can't be Shiloh. It can't be shallow. It cannot be shallow. It cannot be shallow. I know it cannot be. I know you're thinking, what 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 is going on? What are you talking about? Let me explain, okay? Yesterday we did Bible study exercise in Isaiah chapter eight. Was it part three? Part two? I think it was part two. Part two. Everything was going great until we got to Isaiah chapter 8 verse 6. For as much as this people refuse the waters of Shiloah, S-H-I-L-O-A-H, that, uh, that go softly and rejoice and resin and Ramalia's son. Now, there's far more important things than how to pronounce it. Let me, let me make it very clear. There's far more important things. However, you always want to be as accurate. So when I read it, I think I said Shiloh. I think I said Shiloh. But immediately when I looked at it, I'm like, wait, that, I don't think that's Shiloh. I don't think that's Shiloh. So I felt like, wait, what What do I do? What do I do? Well, I'm looking here on, on one site and how to pronounce it. And they pronounce it this way. Shiloh. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's what I said, but I thought it was wrong. However, when you go to, say, the Blue Letter Bible app and you say, oh, look, Blue Letter Bible app. Let's do this. Oh, wait. I don't want to go to interlinear. Let's, let's go to the narrated audio. Uh, let's listen to the chapter. Let's listen to the chapter. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll, and write in it with a man's pen concerning Meher Shalal Hashbaz. And I took unto me faithful witnesses to record Uriah the priest, and Zechariah the son of Jeberachiah. And I went unto the prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Then said the Lord to me, Call his name Meher Shalal Hashbaz. For before the child shall have knowledge to cry, My father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Assyria. The Lord spake also unto me again saying, for as much as this people refuseth the waters of Shiloh that go softly and rejoice in resin and uh, <laughs> He says it completely different. Alright, so, is it Shiloh? Shilohah? Shiloh? Shilo? And, I, and, I, and, I, and I've been sitting here and I've just, I kept going to different different sites. How to pronounce, how to pronounce, how to pronounce, how to pronounce. I went to YouTube and I there are a variety of ways of saying it. Now, I don't, I do not Share that with you to try to say, see, I wasn't that far off at the beginning. I, I, I don't, I really, I have no intention of trying to prove whether I was close or not close or how far off I was or wasn't off. I, I do all of that to demonstrate to you how easily I get bothered when I feel I make a mistake. And hopefully there is a spiritual lesson in all of this, and I, I, I try to point this out to you. All right. So when it bothers me, I have to ask myself. And I know we're in Isaiah eight. We're going to get there, but um, I want to. One of the things in the Bible study exercise. Remember how the Bible study exercises work, right? It's us studying the Bible together, right? It's us being very. It's very real. It's very organic. It's not supposed to be all edited and nicely produced. I do some of the teaching. I give you assignments. You turn in those assignments, it's iron sharpeneth iron. We we have conversations about it. We discuss it. We work together. But I like to also throw in just, you know, uh, Bible study uh, skills, hermeneutical principles. It just it's, it's supposed to be very real. Like we're all sitting around having these conversations. So I just want to be honest with you here. I want to be very, very, very honest with you. Whenever we're doing a Bible study exercise and I mess up, I I make a mistake. I mess up. Yes. I know that I could take the audio. I could edit it, re up, you know, upload it again. And then I would look smart and I would look great. One of the reasons, uh, I, I, and, and that's one of the reasons many podcasters don't do their podcasts live, right? You, because you want to edit it and clean it all up. I understand that. But there's, there's, there's something I've just, I, 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 maybe, maybe you don't struggle with this, but I struggle with this. There is something about doing something. Now, 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 I, I I used to justify it this way. I used to justify it. Well, no, it has to be perfect because I'm I don't want to put anything out there that doesn't bring God glory. It's got to bring God glory because because I'm not going to put junk out there on the internet. I'm not going to put something that sounds pathetic and ignorant because I want God to be glorified in it. So I really, I really emphasize that I'm doing it for God's glory. I care about God's glory. I care about something not being out there that just makes God look bad. I I tried to make it about that. It was all about God, but you know what I discovered over the years? It was all about me. I didn't want to look dumb. It was about me looking spiritual. It was about me looking knowledgeable. I wanted to be seen as being more knowledgeable than everyone else. I wanted to be seen as having more understanding, better doctrine, better theology. It became about me, elevating me. It took a long time to realize this because I had so wrapped it up in a a robe of self-righteousness that, oh, I'm doing this for God's glory. That's what I'm doing it for, right? Well, we've been talking about Isaiah chapter 7. And Isaiah chapter eight. And remember when Isaiah goes to Ahaz to say, Hey, you can ask for a sign in the heaven, in the earth, above, below. You ask for a heaven or you ask for a sign and God is going to give you a sign because Ahaz was, was concerned and, and uh, Isaiah is there to say, look, Yes, these two kings are coming after you to to take you out and to to replace you. But don't worry, don't worry. It's not going to happen. You can ask for a sign as for proof that this is not going to happen. And remember what Ahaz did in Isaiah chapter seven. I know we I'm I'm reviewing here, but this is important because this fits very. This is a very practical lesson here, right? Look, if if we if if the things in the text. Don't have a practical impact on our life. Then all we've gained is knowledge. And then we can tell everyone how smart we are. It's supposed to have a practical impact. So here's Isaiah or here's uh, Ahaz. And what does he tell Isaiah? No, I don't want a sign. I refuse to take a sign because I don't want to tempt God. He tries to come across all spiritual. But the reality is he wasn't worried about tempting God just because we know of Ahaz's character, his sinfulness, his ungodliness, his rebellion against God in the first place. He had already wanted to make an alliance with the Assyrians. And guess what I did? I tried to wrap up that, hey, I want my podcast to be perfect. I want everything to be great. I want everything to be great because, because I'm trying to glorify God. I was trying to glorify me. So when I make a little mistake or a big mistake, Messing up a word, I tend to make a big deal about it, right? My wife has said, you know if you would just correct it and just move on, probably nobody else gives it another thought, but it eats at me, right it eats at me like I went home last night and you can't all I mean I, I could not sleep all night. I just kept going Shiloh shalolo shiloh, 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 ah, like how do I say this? I said it wrong, I said it wrong, and it's on the internet. I said it wrong, I said it wrong. Now, the difference now is I don't sit there and say, oh, you know, God's not gonna be glorified in this. This is embarrassing. No, now I just acknowledge it's about me. It's about me. So there's no sense in pretending that it's about God when it's about me. And we all struggle with this. We have a tendency to, to, to make it about us, but then we try to cover it up in some spiritual justification when we ultimately it's about us. Ahaz, he wasn't worried about tempting God. He was worried about his alliance with Assyria and doing what he wanted to do. And and guess what? So many times we make it about that that we're worried about this or worried about that when really we're just worried about our own ego and our own pride and our own self-promotion. So I on one hand, though, it is very true when I mess up anything in the Bible, even if it's pronouncing something, I am bothered by that because it is God's word. I, I am sensitive to that. I won't deny that. I am sensitive to it. But I also know it's very much about me. So I do apologize for messing it up. I corrected it to the best I could last night. But the, the reality is there's a lot of different ways of obviously saying it. And there's obviously some, some massive disagreement And exactly how to pronounce it. That's no excuse. I still should do the best I can. But I just want you to know that we are all tempted to sometimes, especially as pastors, we can say it's about God. We can say it's about Jesus. We can say it's about glorifying God. But so many times it's just about us. It's just about us. And I don't I don't ever want it to be about me again. I don't ever want it to be about me again, even though it will at times. I don't want it to be. So I just wanted to share that 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 struggle, and, and just ha- yeah, have a little fun because who knows exactly now? You know what's going to happen tonight? I'm going to probably say it like fifteen different ways. <laughs> And I apologize for that because now I've got them all wrapped up in my brain. So I'm going to probably already say I'm going to make a mistake again. And then guess what? I'm going to then spend all of tonight tossing and turning and bothered about it again. Why? Because it's about me. See, see, I, I already know I'm setting myself up. But see, that's the beauty of living out the Christian life. Is that we constantly should come into realization of our of our sin, of our failure, of our pride, and we hopefully acknowledge it, confess it, and hopefully grow through it. So hopefully through this process of studying Isaiah eight and having a little problem with Shiloh, Shiloh, Shilo, Shiloah, however you want to say it, that through struggling with that, it will have a little bit of a sanctifying impact on me. I hope that makes sense to everyone. Uh, okay. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, Nicole saying you appreciate my unedited podcast. Okay. Um, I, 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 am glad you appreciate it. Okay, good. I, I think it would, I think it would make me, uh, less approachable, but most importantly, it would not represent reality. It wouldn't be real. It wouldn't be truthful. it, 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 it wouldn't be, And not only that, it would be about me wanting to put forth an image that would not truly be me for the purpose of having an image. See, so much of the Christian life is learning that our identity is in Christ. My identity is not, oh, look, I'm a podcaster and people love me. Look, I'm a podcaster and look at how many downloads I have. See, if that becomes my identity, then I've just replaced Christ Listen, this is very. This is such a danger for pastors. Our identity is no longer in Christ. Our identity is being a pastor, being a Sunday school teacher, being a, a what? A, my identity must be in Christ. It can't. But it's so easy to say, "Oh, it's about Christ," but really, it's about me. I, I know I'm going a little bit off i I I am applying this to what i uh, Ahaz did because Ahaz, the whole I can't tempt God is such to me it's it's so fraudulent. It's like give me a break. you know you've you've instituted child sacrifices. you don't care about tempting God. He had He didn't care about tempting God. um he cared about his alliance with the Assyrians. and guess what uh I don't do I care i I, I hopefully deep down, I do care that I get something wrong. I hope, I I hope I always do because it's God's word. But at the same time, I can't speak for all men, but I can speak for this man. Men have egos. Okay. And they're fragile. Okay. At least this man has a fragile ego and it doesn't take much to go. No, I want them to think I'm smart. I want them to think I'm godly. I want them to think I'm the best, okay? And then the reality is they all know I'm not. So why pretend? But I I do want to try to get it right. But that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We're here to just briefly talk about two rivers. Two rivers. That's what we want to talk about. One of them, who knows how to pronounce it? The other one doesn't seem to be any dispute in how to pronounce it. One represents the Assyrians, no question about it. The other one, what exactly does it represent? And the question really is to the reader, or really not only to to the the original recipients, which river were they going to rely on? Which river were they going to drink from? Which river were they going to find their supply in? And which then becomes a very spiritual lesson for us. Which river are we looking to? So let's talk about these two rivers briefly. Now, I'm going to read from a lot of different sources. Well, first, let's just go back to Isaiah 8. We'll put this all back. Since we took 15 minutes of... I don't know if it was beneficial, but maybe it was beneficial. Maybe there's a spiritual lesson in there for someone, okay? Maybe maybe there there was, but here we go. Isaiah chapter eight, all right, here we go. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, take thee a great roll, write with a man's pen concerning Mehar shall al-Hashbaz. And I took unto me faithful witnesses to record. Uriah uh, the priest, Zechariah the son of Jeber, Jeber, Jeberkiah, if I can get his uh, name right today, so he 's to write the, he's to write the name of this child, then he goes in unto the prophetess and unto his wife, she conceived and bare a son, then said the Lord to me, call his name mayharshe al hashbaz for before the child shall have knowledge to cry, my father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Assyria for time's sake i 'm not going to go back and review everything we talked about that. If you did not hear the the message I did uh, for Sunday school uh this uh yesterday, go listen to it. Isaiah 8, I think that's part uh, I think it's part 1. You can listen to it and uh I think we I think we did a good job covering that and explaining everything, right? But then verse 5. The Lord spake also unto me again saying, this is God speaking to Isaiah. For as much as this people Refuses the waters of Shiloah that's how I'm going to say it, or Shiloah, we could do it that way as well. Shiloah that go softly and rejoice and resin and ramalia's son now, therefore behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them the water the waters of the river, strong and many even the king of Assyria Assyria, and all his glory, and he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. Now, as I'm reading that, my mind's immediately going, there's so much here to cover, but I'm going to force myself, the two rivers. Now, I know we got to identify the people. What people? What people there? Remember, I already gave you assignments yesterday if you've been working on them, but I'm just gonna focus on the two rivers part, right? The one river, the, the one that's called the river. We think that's the Euphrates. So I'm going to focus on the first one first, Shiloah. We're going to focus on that and hopefully try to see what we're going to look at what a lot of the different commentaries have to say about this to try to figure out the significance of it. All right. I'm going to start because it just happens to be here on the table and I didn't realize it was here, but it's here. It's a walk with the word by Warren W. Worsby. Had this this forever, right? It's a, a devotional, 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 devotional commentary. What that means is it doesn't go very much in depth, very simple, very straightforward, kind of offering devotional thoughts from the text. So he mentioned, he calls this two rivers, this section. And so we're going to read what he has to say. All right. The lengthy name in verse one, all right, may harsh uh, all means speed to the spoil, hasten to the booty. It refers to the victory Assyria would win over Syria, Damascus, and Israel, Samaria. This would give Assyria a clear path to Judah. So Ahaz's th- uh, treaty did not work. He rejected the quiet waters of Shiloh, a reference to a spring in Jerusalem, for the flood waters of the Euphrates, a reference to Assyria. God's wisdom brings peace, but man's wisdom brings confusion. Now, this is very similar, in one hand, to what we see in Isaiah 7. Hey, look, you, you are refusing God, and you want the Assyrians, where well, the Assyrians are going to come upon you, and it's going to be pain, suffering, and destruction. Basically, you're refusing the salvation, the, the deliverance, that God offers. And you're going to go with your own ideas, your own, the, you're going to go with a man-made salvation, a man, an alliance with, you know, people to try to save you. And it's ultimately going to destroy you. So ultimately it's like you, re, you reject the, the river, uh, the waters of Shaloah and you're going to get the river. You're going to get the, 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 and again, the Euphrates is what we think that represents. You're going to get the Assyrians, so the second one, it's already explained really what it is. It's the Assyrians. So, all right. So Shaloah, what, what, what? Okay. It's, it's a stream that comes from Jerusalem. Okay. that doesn't seem to give me the, the real, I mean, if the, if the second river really has a major symbolic significance representing the Assyrians, there's got to be more to the first one than just saying, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a place of water coming from Jerusalem. Okay, maybe that's not a lot of help. So let's look at what all the commentaries do here. And hopefully we can get some insight. Now, some of this, let me make it very clear. There's a lot of theories and a lot of ideas. What can be actually confirmed is, uh, is, a, is something completely different. The Bible dictionary that I have here in front of me gives me very little information. The commentaries just start throwing out all kinds of ideas and we'll see what they have to, to do here. All right, so we're just gonna start with a number of com- of commentaries. Are you ready? Thinking caps on, here we go. For as much as this people refuseth the waters of Shaloah. Now, grammatically, the words this people might seem to refer to Judah and suggests the thought that the tyranny of Ahaz had made him so unpopular that his subjects welcomed the invaders. On this view, Ahaz sought the alliance with Tiglath-Palineser as against his own subjects, no less than against Syria or Ephraim. And this is trying to identify who the people are. They're saying the people here could refer to Judah. All right, so that the the people themselves refuse the waters of Shaloah. But so if, if the people, so that, the, so that's, so I, I guess the way they're saying it is that the way the people are acting here is like, they're so upset with Ahaz. They're like, hey, look, Ahaz, you want the Assyrians. We're so upset with you. We welcome them to come in and take us. We're well, we welcome them to come and destroy us. Let them come. So in other words, they were rejecting God as well. They were like, just bring in anything because we, we, we're so tired of you. Okay. May- maybe that works. Maybe, maybe not. All right. And that Ahaz seeking an alliance with Tiglath Pileser was against against the people of Judah as well. They were against that as well. Maybe the people of Judah just wanted Ahaz gone, and they didn't care who took him out. All right, maybe. All right. Um, Let's see. Then they they pull some things from from history, um, but we'll 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 skip that. All right. Then they go on here. They go on to say, what line was the prophet to take? Was he to take the side of the king? In other words, speaking of Isaiah, was the prophet which which side was the prophet to take? Right. Um, I don't know if we we need to know this, but that's okay. Uh, was he to take the side of the king or that of his rebellious subjects, who were ready to sac- who were ready to sacrifice their independence? At as it is, he sides with neither and has a warning for each. Right. So they're saying that what what is happening here is that Isaiah is basically giving a warning to Ahaz and to the people of Judah, right? This this is, he's already kind of warned Ahaz, look, you're going to work with the Assyrians and they're going to destroy you. Hey, people of Judah, let me know, we want you to know what's going to happen as well, all right? Maybe, here we go. Uh, it says, so. so the prophet doesn't side with either. He's going to give a warning basically to both. The prophet could hardly have blamed the people of Syria and Israel for following their own kings, but it was for him a strange and a monstrous thing that Judah should follow their example. We must remember too, that in spite of the weaknesses and wickedness of Ahaz, the prophet's hopes rested on the house of David and that Hezekiah was already old enough to justify that hope. The waters of Shiloah that go softly, issuing from the slope Between Moriah and Zion, fast by the oracles of God, presenting so striking a contrast to the great rivers Nile, Euphrates, the the, uh, Tigris, on which stood the capitals of great empires. Or even, and then they named some other, some other rivers here. And the Jordan of Ephraim was a natural symbol of the ideal polity and religion of Judah. Right, that, that doesn't really help us other than just saying the waters of Shaloah, Shilo, of I guess they were, they issued softly from the slopes. They seemed small, kind of maybe insignificant compared to these other rivers that were more mighty, more prominent and more well-known. So they are rejecting in a sense, the rivers from Jerusalem that seems smaller. Maybe it seems insignificant to turn to the, to, well, the Assyrians, which seemed more prominent and powerful instead of trusting God. And maybe God's prophecy of of a babe born of a virgin or of Isaiah's sons, either son, seemed insignificant. They seem they're children, they're they they're babes, and they're gonna reach a certain age and then all of this is gonna go away. They refused those. Seemingly insignificant signs to try to look to earthly powers that were more prominent and powerful so So is that the the contrast between the two rivers? One is soft and small and seemingly insignificant, and the other are, are the the river is something more powerful, possibly the Euphrates, but represents the the big Assyrian army. Maybe that works we We, we could look into that. Uh, a little bit more. All right. Um, I'm here. I'm going to skip down a little bit here. Uh, the waters of Shiloh that go softly stand as an emblem. Now this is what they say it represents as an emblem of the Davidic monarchy as God meant it to be. And since the monarchy was itself a prophecy, they therefore represent the kingdom of God or the messianic King. The waters strong and many are those of the Euphrates, which swells and overflows and carries havoc and are taken as the emblem of the wasting sweep of the Assyrian king. So they say the waters of Shiloh represents the Davidic kingdom, the Davidic monarchy. That, That, hey, it may seem small, it may seem insignificant but your trust should be in the prophecy that God is going to ensure that there is someone sitting on the throne of David. You need to trust in that, not be worried about everything else. And what you're looking for is an earthly power to try to preserve it. But why do you need this big, powerful, earthly power like the Euphrates River? Why do you need that when you already got a promise and a prophecy about the Davidic monarchy? Once again, it's still looking to something It's contrast between something seemingly small and insignificant versus something powerful, earthly. All right, okay. Maybe maybe we get an idea there. All right. Um, Here we go. This one goes in a little bit deeper, and I know we still could be trying to identify who the people are. Is it Judah? Is it Israel? Uh, You, you could, you can. We can have more discussions there. I know I'm skipping some of these other commentaries, but. Uh, about what they have to say in regards to that, because I want to focus on the rivers. All right. So here we go. That refuseth the waters of Shaloah. The pool of Shaloah was the tank reservoir at the southwestern foot of Ophel, which it, which is supplied with water by a narrow conduit cut through the limestone rock for a distance of 1750 feet from the pool of the virgin on the opposite side of Ophel and the Kedron Valley. This pool itself is fed from the reservoirs under the temple area, which have not yet been fully explored. It is probable that Isaiah uses the expression waters of Shiloh" in a general sense of the streams, springs, reservoirs, conduits, which supplied the temple, and were connected with its service. Refusing the waters of Shiloh would then be without any violent metaphor. Um, be without any violent metaphor. Refusing the temple, basically without so it, without any violent metaphor. In other words, it, it, you don't have to do any violence to come up with this conclusion. Basically, to refuse the waters of Shiloh means to refuse the temple service and worship which was exactly what the Israelites had done from the time of Jeroboam. That goes softly and contrast with the waters of the river, strong and many of the next verse, they who refuse the mild and gentle government of Jehovah should experience the torrent-like rush of the Assyrian armies. Okay, so is it the Davidic monarchy? Is it the worship of Jehovah. And it's interesting if this flows from the temple, that's kind of interesting. It flows from under the temple. Now it it gets a little bit more of a spiritual symbolism, if that is accurate and if that is true. We do know it flows from Jerusalem. Everyone seems to be in agreement with that. But those are just a number of ideas there. It 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 just represents the Davidic monarchy. It just represents something sp- smaller and spiritual versus something large and fleshly. It represents the, the worship of the true God. All right, Th- those are a number of ideas. And we can continue to go through a, a, a couple of commentaries. Here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. The, the problem with Ahaz, the problem with the people of Israel, the problem with the people of Judah over and over and over and over again was they looked to false gods. They looked to earthly power. They looked to fleshly wisdom and fleshly means, in many cases, to make their decisions, to decide what to do are and how they acted—that's what they constantly looked to. So, in a sense, they constantly were refusing whichever people that is. Were refusing the waters of Shiloh. They were refusing the things of God. They were refusing God's wisdom. They were refusing the way of God. They were refusing the Davidic kingdom. They were refusing the worship of God. You, you, whatever you want to apply it to, they were refusing that which comes from God. They were rejecting that which came from God. What came from for God in this entire context of Isaiah 7 and Isaiah eight is clear. Isaiah's prophecies, which may seem hard to understand, which may have seemed confusing. Why do you keep pointing to children? When a child can say, "Mommy and daddy," then everything's going to be better. Wait, what? Well, that seems insignificant. A child is a baby. It seems, why would a child saying mommy and daddy signify the end of these two kings? What doesn't mean, wait, a virgin is going to have a child is going to be called Emmanuel, a a baby named Emmanuel. What does that, what, that seems insignificant. It seems small. It seems foolish. It seems insignificant, but over there, that's an Assyrian, that's the Assyrian army. Over there, that's the army of, that's the king of Israel and his. That's the king of Syria. That, those are armies. They have horses or whatever uh, animals they had. They have weapons. They have chariots possibly, whatever weapons they may have. They, they have those things. They have power. They have might. They can be seen. They can be felt. They can be heard. That's what we're going to look to. And as a re- re- result they refused the waters of Shiloh, and and as a result they refused that and and the, and, and again they they and rejoice and resent and Ramalia's son we could get into a discussion there but the point is so okay you reject that the soft waters from Shiloh. that's what you reject you reject it. Now the Lord will bring upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. And he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. And he shall pass through Judah. He shall overflow and go over. He shall reach even to the neck and the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breath of thy land. O Emmanuel. Now that's interesting that Emmanuel is mentioned right there so many questions we have here. Don't want to get into that tonight. Here's the issue. As Christians, as believers, I'm going to make it practical now. We constantly find ourselves in these situations where we look to the world or to the flesh or to what seems powerful or what seems strong. We look to the world's wisdom, the world's strength, the world's power. We look to worldly ideas. We look to worldly solutions instead of accepting the soft waters of Shiloah, which may be God's promises, God's word, God's wisdom, God's ways, which may seem insignificant, which may seem small, which may seem foolish, but that is what we must hold to, turn to, rely on. Christians, we are enamored and are drawn to the power, the glamour, maybe what we may even feel the security of the world. We may want to, when we see, look, I talk about this all the time. When we see problems in the culture, we always turn to solutions to, and we rely on fleshly. Like, we need a president. We need to win an election. We need. We always look to these earthly things to try to accomplish. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to trust in God's word and I'm going to proclaim God's word. I mean, just think about Christ calls that one of the things to help you grow spiritually is preaching, which it talks about the by the foolishness of preaching. That's how God saves people. It's through the proclamation of God's word. That's how he saves people. That we are called the Great Commission to go and teach, baptize, and teach and disciple. That may seem foolish. Means that, Well, that, What is that going to accomplish? What is that going to do? They are, for, they are facing an actual, real historical situation where there are real armies that are seeking to destroy. There are real armies that's going to be a threat. They're looking, they may refuse whichever army they may refuse, whichever side they may take. They're looking to earthly armies and solutions, earthly wisdom, instead of relying on the spiritual, that which flows from God, that which flows from the worship of God. We've all done this. We all look to... we. Whatever the issues are, we always typically look for solutions that are not spiritual and are not godly. And we, but we may try to cover up our refusing the godly way with a fake spirituality. But in many cases, we we like oh, there's the that's the little streams of Shiloh that that seems insignificant. That prayer, fasting, that, that seems that's not going to do anything. Scripture. Memorize scripture, read scripture, study scripture, love our enemy, turn the other cheek. Like these things seem foolish. That's the wisdom of God, which seems ridiculous. Preaching, teaching. I think we are constantly stuck. What are we going to rely on? What are we going to turn to? Which river are you in a sense going to drink from? Which river are you going to rely on for your supply? The River of Shiloah, or the Mighty Euphrates. Well, sometimes we look to the very thing that ultimately destroys us spiritually. Sometimes we look to the very thing that does not help us spiritually. It actually undermines our spirituality, destroys us spiritually, and we find ourselves then broken, laying on the side of the road because we turn to the wrong solution. Which river? Shaloah or basically the Euphrates? In their case, Shaloah basically is God. That, that's, that's, that's flowing from the temple. That's, that's, that's If it flows from the temple, even if it doesn't flow from the temple, it comes from Jerusalem. That we are dogmatic on, all right? Uh, because some of these things, it's hard to verify, especially because one source mentions it, another source doesn't mention it. So you don't want to be dogmatic, but clearly comes from Jerusalem right? So, so there we could, we could say, okay, definitely represents coming from God, but it seems maybe insignificant, soft, calm, but there's a mighty river over there. Well, I want the mighty river. I want the mighty river. Just remember when Abram and Lot separated, Lot picked what looked, well, it it looks the smarter thing to do, bigger, more, you know, it looks like there was going to be the better land. Everything was going to be bigger. It was going to have more resources. And next thing you know, we find him sadly, you know, drunk, sleeping with his own daughters. That's where Lot ultimately ends up. And I'm not saying that, well, I mean, you you could argue he picked what appeared to be bigger and better and it ended up worse spiritually. A lot of times we may pick what is bigger or better, but it may not be best for us Spiritually, we got to look for where are, in a sense, the waters of Shiloh. I think that's exactly how the text reads. I'm going to read it again one more time, um, verse six. For as much as this people refuseth the waters of Shiloh, that go softly. Now we could talk about why are they rejoicing in Rezin and Ramalia's son. We we could talk a little bit about that. What well, what 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 what's going on here? What are they looking for, right? What what are, what are they looking to? Because I think that's very very important. And and um and and yeah, I mean, the, it looks like that this this almost looks like what, what is happening here. And I, and I think one of the commentaries point this out that what the people are basically doing, hey, they're they're not even worried about God that the people themselves, I think this almost has to be the people of Judah, that they're like, hey, look, we're not, we're not even worried about the water from God. Bring on Syria, bring on Israel. Let them come in. Let them get rid of Ahaz. Get, let, let him, let, get rid of him. They, they just Because they don't like Ahaz. They're rejoicing in these people who are, are threatening Ahaz because they're tired of Ahaz. And it's almost like Isaiah is warning the people, hey, look, you're no better than Ahaz. Ahaz is rejecting me. You're rejecting, you're rejecting God. You just want a solution to your, everybody wants a solution. Ahaz wants a solution. The people of Judah want a solution. None of them are worried about what's right, godly or spiritual. They want a solution to their problem. And sometimes we want a solution to our problems more than we want. We're more worried about a solution to our problem than we are about where we are spiritually and what it means to us spiritually. Sometimes we can get a solution to a problem, but it's detrimental to us spiritually. For them, it was going to be detrimental to them physically. Assyria is getting ready to come in and just start laying the waste and destroying, and people are going to be taken off into captivity, bad things are getting ready to happen. But I think sometimes we look, and I really want you to think about this concept. Do you want solutions more than you want what's best for your faith and best for you spiritually. Sometimes all we care about is fix the problem. Okay. And if God doesn't fix the problem, I will come up with a solution, but is the solution best for you spiritually? Is it the waters of Shaloah or is it the Euphrates and the Assyrians? There's plenty of times in my spiritual life that I'm looking for a solution I'm not looking for what's best for me spiritually. I want the problem fixed. I want it to go away. Some Something to consider. Something to consider. I, I, this was... I, I've already gone further into this than I wanted to, but I, I just really wanted to just, and I wanna read more of the commentaries, but I've thrown out some of the idea. All of them, even though they kind of offer different perspectives, they're all saying something similar. So instead of being dogmatic, we can clearly say the waters of Shiloh represents that which flows from God, which may appear to be small, insignificant, it's quiet, it's slow, versus this powerful, mighty river, the Euphrates, which is which is the Assyrians. It has clear ramifications for the historical context, but it has clear spiritual ramifications for your life and for my life. And I could try to unpack them a little bit more. I could do a little bit more of of maybe articulating them a little better, but I actually don't want to because I want you to take the concept and now you – that's the whole idea – is for the Bible study exercise, for you to live with it and you think about it and you, how does it apply to you? Let me know. What what do you think? Now, don't, don't ignore the historical application. Make sure that the application we apply to us is consistent with it. So it, it, it'll be a, just make sure we're consistent, but I want you to spend some time applying this concept. If you think about it in a roundabout way, just in a, and I know this is not perfect, but I'll end with this. Every December, especially in the culture in which we live today, and part of the reason is because Christmas was declared a federal holiday. I've said it forever. The worst thing to ever happen was Christmas being declared a federal holiday. Worst thing from a spiritual perspective. It's great for the culture, for, for the economy, for businesses, for you getting time off from work, I—that's all wonderful. Trust me, I loved my time off from work and in the military, they—they they always worked it out that we we get like a, the week of Christmas off or the week of New Year's off, and you get one, you get that entire week off. It was always awesome, great, wonderful. All right, so I'm by no means complaining because I love time off from work, but I'm saying from a spiritual perspective making christmas a federal holiday basically turned it into nothing more than a secular secular holiday that is about everything other than a little baby born of a virgin who happened to be the well the eternal son of god that seemed insignificant and small so in a roundabout way every december we got to get a little bit of isaiah 8 Play it out in a in, a, in a in kind of a symbolic way. Just just let me let me explain this. All right, you may you may not follow, but I think you can see where I'm going. If Christmas is about just remembering the incarnation, where the eternal Son of God takes upon human flesh and is born in a manger, seemingly small, seemingly insignificant, nothing really glamorous. Nothing truly glorious about it. Most of the people didn't even know what was going on at the time. Some were given privilege of understanding what was happening. But it seems small. It's the waters of Shaloah. Verses, right? Now, so so that's what we're supposed to remember. That's what we're supposed to celebrate. But in contrast to that, boom, we have lights. We have gifts. We have a never-ending Hours and hours and hours and hours of Hallmark Christmas movies that never seem to end. Okay. And I say that because my daughter is, has some weird problem with, she's obsessed and addicted to Hallmark Christmas movies. She's watching those things in June and July and August. I, I think she, I think she, that's all she watches. She's got a problem. We're seeking counseling for her. Yeah, it's a problem. Okay. I'll walk into the living room. My wife is watching. And I'm like, what in the world? I cannot stand just hearing the, the, everything about Hallmark Christmas movies make me want to just take a fork and stab it in the side of my head. And no offense if you love them. But the point is we've got all of this stuff. And it's big, it's loud, it's bright, it's fun, it's celebration, it's wonderful, it's time with family, there's stockings, there's a tree, it's everything. It's big. And what gets lost, in a sense, is the waters of Shiloh. Now, I'm not saying you have to give all of that up. I'm not going for some legalistic you know, don't do anything, you know, uh, avoid everything. Just sit in your house and don't even smile during December. I'm not saying, you know, you got to go out there. No, I hate this all. I'm not I'm not telling you to become the Grinch that stole Christmas. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying that in a really kind of symbolic way. It's a little bit of the same thing. We turn to these other things that are bigger. Now, and obviously in this case, Christmas doesn't sweep into your country and kidnap you and destroy everything like Assyrians did. So it's not a perfect illustration, but in just a small way, here's this big, loud, bright thing that we turn to that ultimately never truly satisfies. In many cases, it, it satisfies when you're a kid. When you get older, you usually find sometimes becoming more discouraged, despondent, depressed, just go back to the waters of Shiloh. Just go back to the things that flow from God, to Christ, to the Emmanuel, to the Emmanuel. That's where you, we find your peace. That's where we find salvation. That's where our hope is. That's where our supply is. That's where joy is. Now, one more assignment for this week. I can't. I I I'm going to be interested in who answers this first, and I don't know if I have a good answer. All right. So this people, I think it's the people of Judah. I I I, I think i I think it's the people of Judah. You can tell me if you think I'm wrong. All right. So for as much as this people, I think that's the people of Judah. Refuse the water of Shiloh. They're acting just like Ahaz. Just I think they're in the same ways. And go softly, uh, and uh, that goes softly and rejoice in Rezin and Ramalia's son. If you, if you know who Rezin and Ramalia's son is, I, I, that only makes, to me, it only makes sense. All right. That it's the people of Judah. Verse seven. Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. And he shall come up over all his channels and go uh, over all his banks. And he shall pass through Judah. He shall over Flow and go over, he shall reach even to the neck, and the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breath of the land. O Emmanuel. What? The land is Emmanuel? Is that, is that, wh- wh- why are they using O Emmanuel? Wh- what is this? Why, why is that being used? It just seems weird. The, the last time we saw Emmanuel, that's the baby. Now, now, wait, wh- wh- why is Emmanuel being used here? Like, what is this? What's going on there? Whoever has an answer, email it to me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. And look, if you don't have an answer, just summarize all the answers you find in every commentary you look up, all right? Emmanuel, what is going on there? What is going on there, Emmanuel, all right? So there, there you have it. There you have it. Oh, there's so much more I want to say. I, I hope that was beneficial. I hope. I do. I hope. I hope. Yeah. Now now I feel like, well, did I do that the right way? I don't know if I did that the right way. Maybe I did. Maybe I should have just read the commentary, just I shouldn't have read that part about the people, but I think that I, I wanted you to at least hear how some of the commentaries think it's referring to, you know, maybe Judah, maybe Israel. I I, I think it's Judah. I think it's Judah. But but the main thing is just those two rivers. The two rivers. Shalowah, that's how I'm going to say it. And Euphrates. One is clearly the Assyrians. The other one is I think that which flows from God. Which seemingly small and maybe seemingly insignificant as compared to the mighty river. That's, the, I, that's what I'm emphasizing. All the commentaries you saw. Some of the, We didn't even read half the commentaries I have here. But I just wanted to give you a couple. Because I didn't want to do all the work for you. Because well, then I would cheat you of some spending time in God's Word, which is what I think is most important, especially now, considering the world in which we find ourselves. All right. There you have it. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thank you, uh, Nicole, for uh, participating. I always appreciate when someone's listening and participates. And uh, I think I'm going to stop there. I'm going to go home. I think that's what I'm going to do. So everyone have a wonderful, wonderful night. And um, I probably won't be here tomorrow. And then Wednesday, I never know how Wednesdays are going to go. But something will happen Wednesday. Something will happen. And hopefully, uh, whatever we do Wednesday, you will benefit from it. And if you have any questions or anything you want me to talk about or study, always email me. There's so many things we did not get to this evening. And I apologize to that. But we will try to make it a... uh, We'll we'll try to make up for it on Wednesday. Everyone have a great night, a great week of study. God bless.